folks, let me just let me just say, as I'm as I'm wiping this lens here, if you're going to take someone's photo, carry around a little a little cloth and wipe that yeah. lens off. It's going to make it's your important. photo so much better. So much crisper. I see so many, and it's really easy to tell when someone hasn't done it. And it's I mean, it happens. I guarantee all I've got fingerprints on mine. Right you now. can see, you can you can tell because the photo comes out kind of with like a little weird haze around everything. Yeah. Yeah, it just and, doesn't uh, look crisp. Just doesn't just doesn't look crisp. Get uh get me on the sexiness points. It's 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 that golden hour, right? Golden shower for the golden hour. Damn right. Why don't we do a podcast? Do a podcast do, you, do you feel ready? I do. Okay, good. I feel I do good, too. Man. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Great. I'm not sure if we're going to get to all of it. I, we'll just see what happens. The Dave's Doc's going to be, it could be lengthy because oh. uh, I took way too many notes again. So. That makes me tingle. Yes, yeah, so it'll be fun. Gear buds. <laughs> Gear buds. <laughs> Gear buds podcast. Woo! Yeah. Gearbuds Podcast, episode 160. We did it. Dude, you know what? I didn't even we didn't even we didn't even talk about this before the show yet. It's been three years. Is it our anniversary? It is May 9th would have been three years. Wow. And it is now past May 9th. Happy Hamiversary, my friend. We did three years That's of this great. freaking show. It doesn't feel like it. No, it feels like it feels like thirty years. It it it's, it kind of feels like thirty years. It's just like it's just like a it's been a constant feature every week. I can't imagine not having it, and I, and I would hope that all of you ding dang listeners out there feel the same way because we're super excited to be doing this podcast. We did right. three years worth of it. Episode one sixty. Here we go. Symphony of corrections. Let's dive in. And remember, folks. Here's your weekly reminder. Cables, Cables or tone, tone tubes. tubes. Thank you for listening. Follow us on the stuff. Subscribe on the stuff. Email us at the stuff gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. If you reach out, we'll shout out. Sometimes we've, I did, I, for, I, people said hi this week. I forgot to write it down, but we love y'all. We love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this stuff. Uh, but just three years. That's crazy. I'm not, I'm not done dwelling on that yet. It's, uh, it's been fun, man. I'm enjoying it. You look the same. My hair is longer. Yeah. We, I live in a different home. We've gone to Nam. We had a global and still do have a global had a, fucking pandemic. We had a tragedy. remote podcast that was probably almost never going to end. Remote, big time. Oh my! It's I, I take for granted the fact that you and I can now live this life vaccinated style where we get to talk in the. You rooms. know what I was thinking about, man, and I, I've probably brought it up, but we did the when we did the Dave Pensado, we mm-hmm. weren't locked down yet. No, but we had pretty. to figure out a way to interview somebody remotely because that was, was around Christmas time. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right before, right before the yeah. pandemic, and uh, it's just funny that you know. We, did, we had no idea what we were doing. You, you were like, go outside and I'll try to call yeah. you and patch you in through like Zoom right. or something. It yeah, was that was the first time we'd heard of Zoom. Yeah, yeah. So And still, don't, still don't like Zoom. Hashtag Microsoft Teams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All let's right. get into some stuff. Here's an update. Uh, I read the Reverb's best selling effects of the month uh, thing that they put Ooh, out. Every I month. didn't see that. And. As we absolutely expected and called, there was a big run on Digitech gear, folks. Okay, <laughs> so, could have seen that one coming. Yeah, we did, and, and said it on. Yeah, the show. we called it. So uh, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Did know? they say which specific pedal? Or it was a few. The Ricochet, the Whammy, of course. Yeah. You know, those are the ones that are available. But then, as we reported studiously last week, Cortec bought them. So yep. you're going to be able to get all the Whammies and stuff that they're you back, can baby. Get, so. 
Oh, okay. Here's the thing. Got to touch on. Don't have a lot to share yet, folks. Dave is well aware of part of the saga, but I might have made another impulse purchase. Oh. And you know what I'm talking about. Did it go through? Well, it didn't go through. However, the messages have gone through, and now we've had some correspondence back and forth. Okay. And he he assures me that by Monday, he'll have it sorted out so that it can go through. So he just had like some weird billing thing hooked up or something? Correct. Okay. And... Not only that, it's at my my ball that I tossed. Not the not the not the buy not the, now not the price. buy now price, right? Yeah. Because he didn't respond to you for a while. He accepted my offer. Okay, so it's done deal. It's it's sitting waiting for me to purchase in Reverb right now. I try to purchase it. It it has to be through PayPal. It yes. Turns out when it's which is international, good. I was like, fuck yeah, that's yeah, fine. That's great. Uh, and and um and it wouldn't go through. And it said, you know, it, there's a an issue on the seller's side it's it's like it actually the error said there's there's an issue on the seller's side either have them sort that out or try a different payment method okay. however they don't offer another payment method for an international purchase dude either way we might uh, have something wild yeah we, we won't spoil it but soon. uh no. i'm very excited and you know this. what i realized this is this particular instrument was something that i've been meaning to bring up on the show yes. for a while it's something that we touched on but i actually had done research found like a great article and it's all very stuff rare about bird it bird i like that you didn't <laughs> but that dude that is so good once you once people know what you're talking about yeah. oh my god and it's not and it's not, oh man that was really good gotta give you props on that accidental one. more yeah. to come there's some stuff Whew, baby. that's awesome man yeah oh shit dude. i know i'm very excited about i know that. me too but it, i can't i can't let, let myself get too too excited because yeah. it is one of those deals that feels too good to be true and i haven't paid the money yet so right. Right. He did offer. He said he's like, I don't know what the deal is. He's like, I can send you an invoice just straight up from PayPal, and we can do that. I was like, you know what? I'd rather stick with the reverb buyer protection. It's because it's especially because it's like overseas. it's international. Yeah. So I would rather just stick with that. Yep. He's like, totally understand that. That's cool. I'll have that. Like, hopefully by Monday at the, at the very latest. I was like, okay. Fuck, man. I know. Wow. I, I hope it. I hope it comes fast. Like, I hope they can get it. Oh, I'm gonna here. come fast as soon as I see it. <laughs> I'm serious though. I I don't know what the like what's the shipping. There's gonna be the some. There's gonna be, be some customs things. Perhaps. Yeah. But then also when I bought, do when I bought those Solivera boots, right? They were here in shorter time than I, it didn't make any sense I, to me that's all the way from england you saw it i, I sent you that shit because i, I was so like wild. oh they have to have a warehouse local or something no dude they yeah. it came they showed that's like crazy. oh it originated in lancaster yeah. or wherever the fuck and then yeah in like two days so i don't know but japan could be a different story well i don't know i will say that i i have uh purchased this is pre-pandemic pre you know shipping issues mm-hmm. and stuff like that but um i have purchased two bases from japan and they were both very smooth transactions oh, as far well, as like i'm gonna have to cut that dave Oh, the Japan thing? No, the basis thing. Oh, well, I mean, that's what I buy. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. So I have yeah, purchased yeah. two instruments Thank from you. Japan, Thank you. and they were very smooth transactions. Mm. Um, so do not fear. I think it'll be fine. I'm a little, I haven't, so I'm a little nervous. But I know, and our good buddy and former guest, Henry Brown, he, that dude just is constantly buying stuff from Japan yeah. and hand over fist. So. Yeah, if you need a good lawsuit guitar. It still doesn't, guy. honestly, I still kind of am buzzing. I can't believe that deal might even happen. It's almost, it feels too good to be true, but yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. So more okay. to come there, folks. I am, uh, you got to keep me posted. And I, and it's, and again, it would be, if it, if it comes my way, it's, it's another thing that I have to thank you for because you were the one that originally hit me. I mean, it. look, man, when I have, you know, any downtime at work whatsoever, I, or if I just need to turn my brain off exactly. from whatever I'm staring at. It's always goes to the reverb yeah. feed because it's so I follow so much shit on reverb now that it's my my feed is every five seconds is refreshing. Oh, with that's like a brand new thing. stuff. So it's great. Um, 
So yeah, well, here's a little little reverb plug. Uh, I think I mentioned touching stuff. Let's let's also talk about touching something. I just we have to mention this on on our music podcast here. I'm sure you saw, or maybe you didn't, but Apple has officially discontinued the iPod. Oh, right. I saw something that was like somebody crying about, like a crying emoji or something with an iPod. I didn't wait. I didn't know they ever. They still make iPods. So that was my first reaction. Yeah, they still make iPods. Oh, well, it turns out that Apple last updated the iPod Touch. That's all they've sold for a while now. Is you know, sort of just. But it looks like like an iPhone. iPhone. Yeah. Uh, They last updated that in 2019, and they've been selling that. They just gave it a faster processor. It, It had been basically the same exact iPod Touch since 2012. Yep. They killed the classic in 2014 and scrapped the nano and shuffle in 2017. Okay. So um, the nano was 20 cool. years, man. The, the original iPod came out in October 2001. Wow. Yeah, because I was trying to think. Do you remember your first MP3 player? And was it an iPod? My first MP3 player was an iPod. See, yeah. I, I had one pre iPod and it was a, I think it was probably a Sony or something like mm-hmm. that. And it only had like 32 megabytes on it. Oh, dude. You could put literally six songs on it. Yeah. This <laughs> So I would listen to the same six songs, you know, and then I was when I moved to New York City. So I was like, I, you're walking around with headphones on all day. Oh, wow. You're listening to the That's same. That's less fucking, convenient than a cassette. Yes. A CD, like a couple CDs would have been like awesome. Yeah. But um, I think my I, first one was a, I had a, I got a gift from a, I was a little bit late to the game. I was, I was, I would have been probably 2006. I think okay. I got the, it was. The generation directly between, it was an iPod photo. So it was in between just like a regular sort of gray screen iPod. Mm-hmm. And then the iPod video came out right after. Right in between, there was one that could just like also, it was a color screen that could also show pictures. I had that one, yeah. But it couldn't play videos. So it was yes. like whatever. In fact, that's the, that's pretty much the only iPod I ever really had. I had like a shuffle and a couple yeah. other things. I wound up with a couple Zunes that someone gave me at one point. That's the thing. People just start giving away. I yeah. remember I had a shuffle that I was like, I don't know where this came from. I never bought it, but somebody just like gave it to me. Because I think you can I graduate, still have a, I know. still have, I don't, it's not, it's not shuffle. Which one is Nano? Where it's like small and skinny, one? but it, no, it's not quite that small. Yeah. But it still has a screen and like a color oh, screen and yeah, stuff on there. Yeah. I still have one of those like that still works actually. Yeah. Uh, that I you know last filled up probably over definitely over ten years ago. Be fun you know? to go back and listen. to Oh, the I songs did. And then what yeah. I would do is like if I would, I would I actually kept it at the space for a while in case like I just wanted to like plug some sure. stuff that wasn't my phone to go through the PA. I would just like I just had that there. Gotcha. And it's the 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 only reason I still have any freaking fat wide iPhone. Remember the old Apple charger iPhone cables that were yep. like yep the, with the, almost the an button, inch wide. You had to like uh, click the buttons on the totally. side to pull it out. Uh, that the only reason I still have that is because that iPod takes <laughs> that charger. I think I saw that when I was over at mm-hmm. your place. Yeah, for sure. I was like, why do you have this old adapter? So just wanted to give a proper RIP to an old friend. Yeah, that, uh, that is kind of you know, sad. Was the thing, and now we all still have iPhones anyway. I'm, yeah, I'm like also freaking, not surprised at all. Yeah. That, uh, let's see here. Got to talk about this. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but Maybe. it looks like it's not confirmed yet, but it looks like the otherwise typically level-headed and, and we would say savvy business owners, Fender, uh, there is there are indications that Fender is going to enter the NFT game. Oh, man. I thought we were <laughs> done with this. <laughs> I thought I thought this like didn't you say last week about how it, they fell like eighty percent or something like that? Oh, like, dude, I, yeah, and I'm I'm sure you've seen that cryptocurrency is tanking through the floor yeah, right now. It's yeah. really bad. People are really losing their asses uh-huh. stupidly on that. Um, but 
recently people noticed that Fender made three trademark filings of Fender headstock designs as well as uh, the words Stratocaster and Fender. And the headstocks were two Strat style and a traditional Tele headstock. So here's the deal. They'd already on the books had just the regular old like design patent yeah. stuff going for yeah, that. Yeah, I have a poster of one. Right? Yeah, it's cool. Which I think, I mean, no, they've protected that a bunch. I think you have to renew them too through they the do. years, right? They do, you do. And after a certain amount, I don't know how design patents work, but I know it's like certain things, it enters public domain, but they're, no, they're a business, so it's fine. But these marks are specifically in the context of, quote, virtual goods, namely digital artwork, photographs, videos, and audio recordings featuring music and musical instruments, all in the form of non-fungible tokens and other crypto collectibles. So not they haven't made them or minted anything or really jumped in that, but they have set themselves up to to do so. And it turns out also, I didn't realize this, um, but I guess uh, on on OpenSea, which is one of the sort of main NFT playgrounds, uh, there are a bunch of unlicensed Fender and other guitar NFTs on there. So I don't know if it's about maybe going after those Mm -hmm. or it's doing their own, but... Yeah, the point is, is that around here, folks, not big fans of the old NFTs. I'm, and, uh, yeah, it's it to me. It's just like, it's just kind of like it just doesn't even like compute in my brain. I'm like, I don't care. It's like, a waste it, of energy and money to me. Hopefully, it's I not a, a guitar that we can all chip in on and never play. I mean, that's that's essentially what it would be. I mean, I didn't so realize silly. that ESP. I mean, we've talked about Gibson before mm-hmm. in their foray into yes. the world. Uh, ESP has done guitar NFTs for a hundred bucks a piece. I didn't I didn't know that really? until reading about this. Um, and then if we've talked before, like Bonamassa, Matt Bellamy from Muse, Ingve, and then Keith Richards recently yeah. have all dropped their own NFTs. So yeah. it's not like Fender's alone, Gibson's not alone. I, it's, it's just something that I really like the bellyache about because yeah. I fucking hate it and it I bothers just think, me. I just think they're dumb. Yeah, it's, that's pretty it's, much it's it. It's just dumb. Okay, we've got to talk about this. This is also, this is actually, I would say, quite worthy of the symphony. because is this a we, BFI, GFI situation? It's an update and a, and. and Definitely a GFI. Okay. Because in my in my you know personal estimation, I'll say, and 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 I'm about to talk about a song, and I have to tell you that even though I'm so excited about this song, I didn't even listen to it. Okay, good because I probably haven't done either. And and that's because it's a it's a latter day George Harrison song that I texted you about. Oh yeah, that was cool. Previously, we think I did listen. I forgot to. I forgot to. I read about it a lot. Got real excited about the details forgot to listen to it this is <laughs> this is how add works folks but in a previous episode you and i talked about car guys yeah we did we had a whole episode whole the whole shebang about this thing it was fun it was great it's gar- car guys guitar guys the overlap of that world absolutely we missed george harrison because i, I didn't, didn't know that he was a car guy i had no clue well dave and and friends let me tell you something george harrison was a fucking car guy oh shit not only was George Harrison a car guy, the song that, were, that I mentioned that I didn't listen to is called Faster. He wrote a song about auto racing. In 1977, I didn't know any of this. 1977, George Harrison decided, I'm not going to make music anymore mm-hmm. and took a whole year off of music. During that time, he traveled with the Formula One World Championship. <laughs> no way. Yeah. He uh, developed a really deep relationship with Jackie Stewart, who's a very, very famous world champion race driver and Nikki Lauda also very famous if you've ever seen the movie rush it's about him yeah, right uh he wrote this song so 
basically the story is that he's like, I just, I just care about motorsport. It's like, I find it to be the most exciting, interesting thing. I'm just going to travel with formula one. Of course he becomes friends with the guys. Yeah. He becomes part of the world. He's George fucking Harrison. All access. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, he, he, again, at the time he had said that he's like, yo, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm like jaded from the music world and writing. I'm not doing anything. His friends, I think I'm trying to see if I wrote notes down. Yeah. So, his friends had started like, and, and by fr- his friends, I mean like Nikki Lauda, uh, Jody Schechter, these like famous world Formula One racing car drivers. B- his friends were like, "Hey, you should like write again. We think we would like to hear some more of you, mu- your music." And then, in order to to sort of make them feel good, he decided to write the song faster, and also another song called "Blow Away" that quote that Nikki, Jody Emerson, and the gang could enjoy. So he, the thing that brought George Harrison back to making music That's again. Cool was his yeah. love of motorsport well that just goes to show sometimes you have to step away from the music to kind of get more inspiration and, and then you get back into and it. maybe you find that yeah. traveling around europe and the united states and uh i guess australia these days well i guess in in japan sometimes yeah uh watching fast cars go vroom vroom around track um I really wish so I fucking excited to, it to learn this. george harrison has been my favorite i love him so much yeah we talked about him so much in the get back run down the episode he's, that we did yeah, now and then also find out that he shares one of my deepest passions outside it's gotta be of your music. favorite beetle now at this point. <laughs> it's just, i mean it's not even close i've been saying for years i still think that like look i love a lot of john and paul's solo work sure. but like george harrison is my favorite solo beetle oh like, yeah record for it's one know, of the greatest albums just listening time. to all things yeah. most past all that stuff so it's fantastic learning this was amazing i just want to share a couple other things about it the actual so it was released as a picture disc, which was a popular thing at the time. Okay. For those uh, who don't know, it was a record where they just like silk screened images on the record itself. Nice. And uh, the the cover uh, just has the faces of several past world champion F1 yeah. drivers. Uh, and then the single that when he released it as a single, it actually raised funds uh, for a cancer research uh, charity set up by the Swedish driver Gunnar Nilsson in 1978. Nice. And uh, it also comm- commemorated Nilsson's countryman, Ronnie Peterson, who had died as a result of injury sustained during the 1978 Italian Grand Prix. Made a video that features the word. Actually, it's pretty funny. In the video, he's actually, he do- like plays in the back of this car, like a fan, probably a Bentley or something. Yeah. You know, sort of chauffeured car, Rolls, Rolls Royce. Royce. Yeah. Chauffeured by Jackie Stewart. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So nice. definitely. Uh, but he was a lifelong fan. I mean, he. He his he saw he was there in 1955 at the British Grand Prix where uh, Juan Manuel Fangio and Sterling Moss both raced, who are like two of the biggest early wow. names. And so like he was a lifelong that's cool. Fan with all, with I had no stuff. idea. Yeah, man. Wow. Really close friends with Jackie Stewart, which is just like. I wonder if they mentioned that in, in that in his documentary. Um, I gotta, I I've got to watch that. that again. It's like four hours. It's long yeah, it's very yeah. long. Yeah. I think that was why I didn't do it. But I, I think well, it's I on Amazon. Believe, I need to watch. Yeah. It's def. It's called All Things Must Pass, right? I think so yeah yeah that would do also a dave's dog about that we should speaking of dave's dogs before we get to it yeah just got to put this out there in the world because you and i talked about it earlier okay uh spinal tap 2 is in the works folks. <laughs> yeah i have mixed emotions i know you do i mean it's my it's your favorite movie so well it's like i said to you um uh, i'm glad it's a sequel and not a remake if yes. it was a remake i would absolutely cut a hole in the in the theater screen oh you'd you'd protest i would just rip it down from the yeah dude no you can't remake the greatest movie ever now that it's a sequel it's it's gonna have a bunch of callbacks i'm sure yeah and it's rob reiner making it so i think that is what it has going for it It has the original cast members we'll probably have to go see it oh on the cheap cheap tuesday tuesday yeah dude i'm in 
Did they say anything definitely. about a release date or no, trailer or anything? I, I think they, you know, they're aiming 2024 probably because oh, yeah. it's, you know, mid 2022 at this point. Jeez. But the, we live in a world where Spinal Tap 2 is going to exist. That's going to be good. I hope it makes it through. I hope this. they play off of them like just being old as fuck because they were already th- old th- well, as fuck so in they, the first one. I think the, they said that the basically the main plot is that the, or the band, since the documentary came out, yeah. felt like they had been misrepresented That's and paid funny. in a bad light so they've held a grudge against oh the director my God. The okay. and now he's gonna come back. I'm in dude yeah. yeah this actually sounds pretty great okay so, cool now that we've gotten that out of the way yes. and talked about a future yes edition From let us now past. get to today's right or the past or the near future when you're listening to this in Dave's Ducks so what are we talking about this week what are we talking about yeah let me tell you. Get those notes out. I just had a freak out text that I don't know. Like, sorry, you can cut this out. But Jay just texted me. Our entire band camp is empty. And he tried calling me. I'm like, I'm not doing <laughs> this right now. I'm fucking... You can deal with it if you need to. No, but, dude, yeah. it's it's not worth it. Uh, I want to talk about a band. Okay. Did we talked about Jerry Cantrell last week. The wino, Epiphones. You're going to talk about the chains? I'm going to talk about the chains. Oh. Alice in Chains. Uh, there's not a, you know, any official documentaries, so I had to do a little digging. They had a behind the music. They did, but I, I felt like going a little deeper. Okay, I love that. So I well, I Googled it, and I was like, you know, best Alice in Chains documentary. Uh-huh. Uh, YouTube pops up. This thing has got like 700,000 hits, so it's a, it's a, it's a okay. big one. What's it called? It's called Dirt-Tumentary. Dirt-Tumentary. Dirt-Tumentary, I guess. Dirt-Tumentary. The story yeah. of Alice in Chains. It's hard to not say Dirch. Dirt-Tum. dirt um, Dude, I'm I am excited about this. Let me let me just so are you interject. Big, are you a fan? Let's all talk of, about all of that era. Definitely my favorite 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 grunge band. You, could you say. can say that. Yeah, even though like it's weird, they don't feel like they sound a lot like those other bands. Yeah. They had more of kind They're of a, ha- a metal thing, and that's what appealed to me as a youngster. I loved Alice in Chains. Did you ever when I was see them? I never got to see them. Me either. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I'm glad you like yes. them because it, it's more fun this. than talking about Oasis for sure. Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I did not know. Except I can't, I can't for, uh, cajole you into doing a British accent because yeah, these guys are from no, the West Coast. I, I'll right? maybe I'll try to sing like Lane Staley if you're lucky. But I'm the man in the box. In the box. Um, I personally don't love his voice. I, he's got a great voice. Like he's like his yeah. pitch is great. I just don't like the you know what it sound is? of it. His voice. It's like have you ever have you ever listened to. Uh, like, have you ever listened to isolated guitar tracks from a song and been like, wow, I love this song and how it sounds, but then when I hear the guitar track, it just sounds like shit on its own. Sure. That's kind of how I feel about Lane Steely. I feel like I, I wouldn't like his voice out of context, but I actually really love it's it now. It's funny you, you mentioned that. In this documentary, they uh, they do play a clip of his isolated No vocals. way. And it's with all the effects. Yeah, um, sure. They run his... Well, they didn't say what it was, but they ran his uh, vocals through, and I think this was on the first record... Um, which was called what was that fucking album? Facelift. Facelift. Yeah. Um. So they play because that had Man in the Box on it, right? I'm bad. I had all yeah, the CDs when I, I was young, and I don't remember what yeah, was on I'm, what. I'm 99 sure because that wasn't on Dirt. Um. So they play his isolated vocals from Man in the Box, and they used a uh, specifically a um. Well, first of all, did you know that their original name was called Diamond Lie? 
did not know 1988. That. So Too was, close to Pearl Jam. So I will say this about the doc. There's a lot of old footage because um, they call it like the Lane Staley years or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I, I guess the band oh, they, that's right. They did. do So that. so this this doc specifically covers from when they formed until sure. its death. And that's just like literally when it ends. Um, but yeah, they were they were a band called Diamond Lie in 88. So were they from name. Seattle? Yeah, like uh, Tacoma area, oh, okay. I think. And sure. moved to Seattle because um, that's what was happening at the time. Uh, so here, I found it. So Man in a Box, they were run through a guitar pedal, which they didn't say what it was. Um, but it also, they used a lexicon delay. I uh-huh. thought you'd think that was interesting. Uh, I do like that. Uh, so those isolated vocals sound fucking badass. Here's a cool thing. When they were recording that, he was very like self-conscious of his voice. Like He never thought he sounded good enough. E- I, e- throughout or just the first record? Uh, at least in this first record. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know. Once you get a little fame and you get some ego going for sure, but and definitely a, in uh, unfortunately a little arm candy too. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, so he's recording it, and the producer who they were interviewing at the time said he was like, "Dude, he would be really insecure." We thought the takes were great. He hated them, so he would come in and like start over. But once he was like warmed up and he could hit that mark of what he thought was good enough, he could do the whole album front to back. Damn, like basically one take that good so he was that fucking good but he just had to get there so i i love mm. that there's kind of like a cool thing about that i'm recording right now i'm doing some vocal stuff i'm not happy with it but maybe i just got to get to that that level you Dude, know that's so great I, inspiration I take it i did not know they sold two million copies of that album Whew. that's pretty good debut record um with a bunch of metal riffs and crazy total. singing on it yeah pretty heavy wacky wacky vocals um so the seattle they talk about the seattle music scene you know, everybody always pitted like bands against each other yeah. with the Seattle music scene. It wasn't like was that. Was it them versus Soundgarden or something? No, or not at all. They were be... all friends and they all helped oh, each no, other Oh, no, I mean out. in like the media. Who, I'm trying to think. Yeah, of right, right. Um, there was uh, Mother Love Bone. There oh, was right, yeah. Pearl Jam, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Mud Honey. Was the, that was Mud kind of their Honey, circle. Sure, yeah. you know? They mentioned Nirvana, but I think they were a little, little younger than those guys. So, yeah, super supportive. I didn't know this. When they first started touring, they opened for Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. What? It was called the Clash of the Titans tour. Oh, I remember Clash of the Titans. I did not yeah. know Alice in Chains was they were on the that first, tour. They were the first like opening band. And I guess they the the crowd was like ruthless. Like they're throwing beers yeah. at them and shit. And they liked it. They were like, fuck you, bring it on, like throw whatever you want at Still us. Still not the right crowd for that band. Totally. But that's kind of also where they got a lot of their edge too, hmm. just like being kind of badasses cool. and, and all that shit. So I thought that was cool. Um, Jerry Cantrell, they show him rocking the handlebar mustache, which is his best look. I, I think. think so. A la uh, James Hetfield. And I'll get back to a Metallica reference in a second. Love so. it. Uh, then they open for, this is really cool. Oh, they, is it the friends don't let friends give each other bad haircuts? Uh, that's uh, uh, some of it. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's more to that story that happened a few years before. Um, there's uh, They open for Van Hagar, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> That seems more right to me. Honestly. See, well, here's the funny thing. Van Halen was intimidated by them because they, they were like these really grungy, like kind of gross dudes. They didn't shower a lot. Yeah. And Van, they were pop. They, they were cool. Van Hagar yes. was popular, but not, we're not cool at that point. Right. It wasn't like David Lee Roth era. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, but, you know, um, they invited him on tour because basically they were like, we're kind of intimidated by these guys. Let's get as close as we can hmm. to them. And maybe we can like have a friendship or learn. Keep stuff. your enemies close, dude. That's why we do this podcast. They became such good friends. That they toured with them for six fucking months. Wow. Like on and you know, kind of on and off. Like yeah. they would keep renewing tours with That's them. awesome. Um and it, they pretty much toured straight, like through their entire career, which is also fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um so here's a cool story about Eddie Van Halen. R.I.P. Love that. Jerry, uh Jerry Cantrell, he, they became really good friends, and he was asking Eddie, he he had a signature music man at the time. And it was like Oh, a, sure, yeah. He has yeah, like I kind of a the Wolfgang. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, thank you. Um 
So he goes, man, it's a cool guitar. Can I buy like, you know, he had the 5150 amps and all Mm -hmm. that. He's like, can I buy some stuff off you, man? Because I love your sound. I'm a big fan, you know, whatever. Comes home from tour and his whole garage is filled with like guitars and amps. So EVH just gave him like so much free shit. Um, And this is even crazier. There was a gold top of that guitar uh, of the Music Man. So it's like a kind of a rare finish, I guess, on that guitar. That was his like favorite guitar ever. It got stolen. I don't know if on tour or in wait the Jerry's Jerry Jerry uh-huh. Cantrell's owned mm-hmm. uh, that that EVH gave him right. this gold top Music Man uh, Wolfgang guitar. It was uh, stolen, and then in 2018 he got it back. No way. Yeah, and there's cool footage of him talking about like he's on stage. This is like way later, right? And he's like, "Yeah, just you know, this is a guitar that Eddie Van Halen gave me, and like I got it back thanks to like he named some people wow. who helped track it down." <sighs> Those are my favorite stories. Oh, dude, I loved it, and that was kind of in the beginning of the movie. So I was like, "That's cool." They kind of jumped ahead and like mm-hmm. said that. So. Um, then they did Sap. So here's what's interesting about this band. They fucking recorded LP, and then they would do an EP. Then they would do an LP, then they would do an EP. Okay, sure. I never thought of really... At really the time, that, that was not like a thing to do. Yeah, Sap was an EP, and it was like an acoustic EP. So it was Jar of Flies, which came along later yeah. after Dirt. Yes. So that what they would do is they would use their studio time and the money that the label gave them. They'd record all these songs, and they're like, let's just do a few acoustic ones, and we'll just wing it. And they fucking did, and then they would just release them on, I guess, on their own or under the label. The label's like, we don't have to pay for another studio session. Go ahead. Dude, are we transitioning to talking about acoustic stuff? Because, oh boy. You got some acoustic stuff? Well, I just, there is no other MTV Unplugged that holds a candle. Maybe Nirvana Unplugged, but to me, yeah. Alice in Chains Unplugged, MTV it's Unplugged one is one of the greatest live the performances watermark. ever. High watermark. Absolutely. I would agree. When I, I think, and not even just like versions of the songs, I just think just performances tones when i think of when i in my brain when mm-hmm. i think of an a, an ideal modern hi-hat sound it is the hi-hat sound from what's the song that's yeah that's whatever that yeah. song is called in my brain when i'm trying to achieve the perfect modern hi-hat sound it's the, nice. that one like from it's from that from performance. that performance yeah well you know why they did that um they were so burned out on touring by that time because that was when their self-released album was out Okay. Uh, they're not self released, self titled. Sure. With the one with the three legged dog on the cover. Yes. Which also was cool at the time because they had the purple plastic cover. Do you remember that? <sighs> I do remember that. And that was like nobody else was doing that at the time. Wow, it was such yeah. a fucking unique thing. And they were really happy with like the way it was packaged and stuff. They did that because they didn't they didn't ever tour for that um album because they were just so burned out oh. on touring. They did the fucking album. They're like, fuck you, we're not touring. We're just we we need a break. Um Lane went and started kind of like a side project. Oh, uh, Mad, Mad Season. season? Yeah. I, I also owned that on Compact yeah. Disc. And he was he seemed like really pumped about that. Um, but that's why they did the MTV performance. Wasn't that with someone? Wasn't it maybe like one of the guys from Pearl Jam or something? Or Yeah, what? I think Mike McCready I might think have might had have been something McCready, to do with yeah. it. Um, and then there were a couple other people they mentioned who I didn't recognize mm-hmm. their names. But that was them, that performance of that acoustic that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Because they were getting a lot of shit for not touring for that record. They're like, fuck you. We're going to go do MTV and then we're going to blow all you guys away because this is going to be one of the greatest mm-hmm. performances ever. So it was. And um, now is it time to also talk a little bit about that Metallica? Yeah. Thing so here's what happened out. with Metallica. Um, so this also goes in. OK, I, f- I found it. So they they were I, they were on a lot of drugs. Uh, I think it was Alice the whole chains was Alice in chains. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was the whole band. They didn't really specify. Obviously, Lane Staley. Um, but they were to the point where they had to get dope every single tour every single place they went and then they would have to throw it all away 
and they would spend hours in customs because customs knew who they were and they're like we'll, we'll find something on these guys so they would have to throw everything away they're like we're clean but search us for eight hours yeah. and, you know whatever um and then they'd be like sick and they'd have to go get more dope on the streets just like fucking bums or drug addicts like everybody else so that was fucking crazy so they canceled the tour with metallica in europe they were supposed to tour with them i think they had announced it um because they had fans there obviously and they show this footage of metallica doing a really mean nasty rendition of uh man in a box oh yeah just being like and they're just like they're they're being like assholes on stage they get uh beer bottles thrown at them and then for like i don't know Maybe 30 seconds to a minute. It's James Hetfield being a total whiny bitch. Being like, you guys can't throw stuff at me, man. Like, what the hell? You know, we'll just walk off stage. How would you like that? You know, like just being like kind of a douche. Yeah. Um, So I thought that that part was kind of funny. So the haircut thing on the bass was friends don't let friends give other friends haircuts. Yeah. That was kind of their like... Because they were sitting had, front row at that And Metallica had cut all their hair. <laughs> that was when they cut their hair for load. For yeah. load, yeah. So that was kind of that inside joke, which I actually never knew. I kind of put that together watching the doc. So that's, that's I, I knew that, but not at the time. I was just like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. But it wasn't until years later I learned that. Because I'm a Metallica freaking dork. And that's pretty much it. And then I would say... Well, after, let's talk about Lane. So like his, yeah. his addiction, did they get into that? They didn't. And I guess I kind of appreciated the documentary for that reason because it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of drama. It just told the story. Mm-hmm. And it was and it was the band members in interviews. There was no narration in the doc. And then there was long. They would show full performances. So if you're kind of looking for like a doc and like a, you know, here's some really good live takes of cool. like these songs. It's for the fan. It's fucking awesome um, that somebody put this together and just put mm-hmm. it up on YouTube. Yeah, he was really he was really junkied out. And you could kind of tell when they were interviewing him by the time that self-titled one came out. Mm-hmm. He was just whack. He was like wearing goggles and just yeah, like, right. just looking so weird and saying like really did, off-color shit. Did he overdose? Did they address that? They didn't I don't talk know about what, it, but I, I, I think he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, on heroin, I think. Yeah. But uh, but they were, I mean, they were drinking like, like Jerry Cantrell's, there was not one interview where he's not holding a beer. Wow. Drink. It's pretty, I didn't realize. I didn't know. All that. But um. I will say this. So after the Unplugged show, they do three shows opening for Kiss. They opened for the weirdest fucking bands. Weird. Yeah, right? Like, why the fuck would you open for Kiss? I mean, I get Alice it. Alice in Chains and Kiss. Yeah, it's like such a weird... Like, what promoter? Party every day. Oh, we're sober, guys. Um, so uh, I just thought of the Kiss movie in my head for now. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom of the Park. Friends, if you have not gone and listened, if you haven't listened to the Dave's doc where we talked about Phantom of the Park, Phantom of the Park, the Kiss movie, or go from see the, the go find it, watch online. it. But also, it's, it's it was a good episode. So oh, go check it out. Um, so then they did the three last shows, and Lane was looking kind of rough, mm. and he only did three episodes or three gigs, and then they they uh, he passed away. So, so he, on tour. I believe so. Okay, I, get, yeah, they, I didn't remember that. I believe it was tour, or maybe they were like showcase shows where mm-hmm. they just had to go there and play with kids. Damn. But it was only three of these shows, and they show one of the songs, and he's still killing it. But, you know, just not moving around as much and just kind of, I don't know, probably sick, man. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I've never done heroin. I don't, right. I don't know how that feels to be going through withdrawals like that, but it's, it's it takes a toll. So you it. said the documentary basically just like kind of ends there. Yeah, it, and it's two hours. So like, it's it's two hours because they show full performance yeah. of the song, which is awesome. I love that. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's a few where they do like you know some songs twice, and you're like, all right, I can mm-hmm. I get the idea. I can skip ahead a little bit. But um, yeah, for the most part, it was a solid footage, like tons of backstage stuff, a lot of MTV interview footage. So mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing like the person who created it just had access to that okay. kind of footage. Dude, the MTV interviewers were so fucking awkward back then. <laughs> 
Like it was terrible. It's it's it, it's like so cringy. More and awkward bad. than us. He's like, "Whoa, guys, isn't that a wacky thing?" And they're just like, "Dude, what?" Like. We're so high right now. Like, what are you talking about? Was there? Well, I don't really think we really talked about this yet. Was yeah. there much gear spotting? Yes, and here's what I have to say. I mean, we talked about the, the Van Halen guitar, obviously. The Van Halen guitar was was featured a few times. Uh-huh. Um, there's even an early early show where they're playing where he's using it. So oh, cool. And it was after they told the story, and I was like, oh, there it is. There That's it is. cool. Um, he had a Strat style guitar too. Yeah. Um, I did not see the Wino once in the entire film. That's a later in life. Was it? Situation. Was it after yeah. Lane? He, maybe? Was, he played like a super strat. Yep. For real. Yep. And I don't even know if it was a Fender. It, it wasn't. It. I can't rem- oh, man. I can't remember. I used to definitely know what it was. In the I super early. So now. when they first formed, they were like a hair metal band yeah, when they right. first formed. Um, the f- early photos are fucking hilarious because they have the teased out hair. It's 1988. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, when they were Diamond Lie, which is Diamond so hard lie. to pronounce that. Jerry, I feel like, I mean, he didn't tease it, but he kind of, he, had, he had carried the, that 80s metal And they wore through. the clothes, like the t- ripped shirts and stuff. Or just shirtless. Yeah. Um, he, there's actually a, a footage of him playing. Um, it was either a Dean or like a Explorer style. Okay, like yeah. I could see the body, but not the headstock. What Again, about, like some of the, the footage is, is really bad because it's so early. Uh, he had a uh, Spectre. Um, ah, kind of the Warwick looking one, you know. Specter, that was Active. big then for like if you're not gonna be a dude, not Fender a Fender or Warwick nope. guy. No, nope. not a lot of those around. guys were were Fender boys back. Yeah, then. wow. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much it for not a ton of gear spotting, uh-huh. but like when they would show live footage, it was really the whole doc was live footage and interviews, and then once in a while, like the creator put like a little, just kind of like um. They sold two million copies of this, okay. like just at the bottom yeah. in like you know a little context. Yeah, but no narration, so that was kind of nice. At one point, they were talking about the drug use, and this is when I got all that stuff about them, like, ditching the drugs and everything. Yeah. I don't know if there was a book. Did, like, Jerry Cantrell or Lane release a book? I don't know. Probably. Because it sounded like the, uh, it was it was somebody, I think it was Jerry reading from a maybe Lane's book or hmm. something, but I think there's a book out there that has narration. So they, they took some excerpts from that. Should, sidebar, yeah. should, should we make a book? The Gearbud's book? Gearbud's book. That'd be a thick book, dude. 160 episodes. Thick book, book for some thick boys. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I'm down. Um, but yeah, overall, right. it was fucking cool, man. Wait, before we get to your rating, I yeah. want to ask, you know, in... in I in, love the questions, by In the way. situ, were you, as a child, when they were younger, or when we were younger, when they were, like, a thing, yeah. were you a fan? Were yeah. you into them then? Yeah. I had fucking Dirt, yeah. uh, Jar of Flies, and I had... I remember if you had Sap, you were pretty cool, because, like, that was an EP that only sold, like, half a million records. I don't remember if I would but have I had, had Dirt. That. I had Dirt, Jar of Flies, and then I bought... I remember going to the CD store, like, Music Funkoland or Musicland Music in the mall. Land. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, and I bought the self-titled one with the purple with cover. The dog and the, the dog cover, and yeah. stuff, so... Yeah. Did you um would you in in that like <clears throat> totally on not based in reality but still fun to talk about ranking yeah where would you put them Alice in your, Chains in your sort of grunge, I'm glad grunge you asked world? that because I did think about that well here's the thing that I don't know if this is fair or not but I put Stone Temple Pilots probably number one we didn't even talk about SCP and that's such a good one because I they didn't mention SCP. they didn't mention them at all but if you listen to like Tiny Music which is probably my favorite record they mm-hmm. did. It's like a fucking Beatles record. Like it in the sense that like the songs it gets trippy, it gets psychedelic. Yeah. There are songs where like they kind of flow into the next song. Totally. There's songs where there's segues and then there's songs where it's like, "Whoa, where the hell did that come from?" So, for me like as a band musically on a CD, I think I like Stone Temple Pilots mm. the most. It's a really good call. I mean, I'm, I got to say like Nirvana's got to be up there just cuz they're just fucking sure. Nirvana. Um and then Pearl Jam and yeah, um, sadly I do put Alice in Chains toward the bottom of the list of like yeah. the top four. But they're all such. That's I mean you're talking about being in the, yeah, in the company of giants. But I will say, man, you, like Dirt is a fucking masterpiece of mm-hmm. an album, dude. I mean, I I listened to it after I watched the doc and put it back just front to back, and I'm like, there's heavy stuff. There's beautiful fucking songs. 
it's it's a dramatic album. Like, there's a lot going on. There. Dude, I love that we're talking the chains. All right, so give yeah. it to us. What's well, your totally your arbitrary um, uh, based on no, no real uh, score ranking? Yeah, I mean, um, as a you know, as a doc, I think it was. I'm glad it's out there. Mm. I, again, I love seeing like the the licensed ones that are just like. And did we say what year this was from? Like 2020. Oh, so fairly recent. So yeah, okay. yeah. Because um, they had that 2018 footage and stuff. So um, I gave it eight out of ten. Jar of flies. Jars of, jars, jars of flies. Jars of That's a tough one to pluralize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's worth a watch for sure. It's two hours, so it's a it's a beefy well, The one. thing for me is I, you know, I feel like I know a lot of the story, but also because you, as you said, there's all these sort of uncut live performances. Yeah. I feel super excited to watch it. Yeah. If you're in a crunch, it's not a short doc. Um, but it's also if there's some performances, maybe you can just like pause after yep. the one and then come back. Totally. To it. No, it's it's totally a, a a good one. And then you know just. The interviews, them talking about, you know, how they made stuff. It, to me, the most interesting ones were like when they interviewed the producers and, you know, they talked about like the, the Lexicon and like they talked yeah. about like their kind of their, their tricks, you know, in the, in the studio. I was that. that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a fun one, man. Definitely worth watching. All right. Well, all right. Go All send right. us some Allison Chains, folks. After check this it episode, out. love it. Thanks, Dave. That was a good one. Yeah, buddy. I really like. I'm that. glad. I'm glad you like the, the AIC. Oh, the you said they're at the top of your grunge list, right? Now that you mentioned Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. I would have, maybe they're like sort of neck and neck because, yeah, I was real in the STP at yeah. that point. Core too. was one of my first CDs ever. My brother what was the one with the person on the front with their that like was arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like their debut CD, totally, or their debut. And then the other one had like the little baby on the cover. Yep. Yeah. Purple. Is that called? That sounds right. Yeah, I always mix up song names and album names. But I that yeah, they were they were just ubiquitous alternative radio for me back then, and I listened to a lot of alternative radio back then. You know, so I don't think I've done a Stone Temple Pilot stock. I I might have to find one, dude. Find and and it's a and it's a brother band, which makes it even more exciting. And that's kind of what gives them the extra leg up. Yeah, you know. So I agree. Fucking brother bands. All right, let's get into some future gear. Talk gear. Let's do it. Let's talk some gear. Where are we going to start? Got a lot of stuff to get through. Okay. Oh, first, let's say this. Last week, we highlighted uh, the fact that one of our favorite, one of our favorite Chicago builders and just friends of the show, Daredevil Pedals, is now available on Zounds. We also were talking about something. Is we're you know what? Why not just hi- highlight another Chicago builder? Uh, Harden Guitars, Harden Engineering. Yeah, we talked about this recently. Not even knowing that they were from Chicago. Not only from Chicago, like literally two blocks away from. We where were looking we are right at now. Digitech Pedals. Is and that, like one of their oh, guitars came up and we were both looking on yeah. your screen. No, one of their pedals came up. That's what it was. Yeah. And then we got, we got to their page and then we found out they're down the street from they're, here. We're literally down the street from here. Dude, shout out. We, we want to So I have played the- their guitars. They sold them at SCME. They're really cool. Really great guitars. So they, if you've never seen them before, they make sort of takes on classic shapes that we all know and love. They've got a Stratty one called the Bluesbird. They've got a Telly kind of one called Esmeralda. They've got a sort of junior single cut called the Outlaw. My personal favorite is one called Switchblade, which is like kind of less poly, but maybe sort yeah. of telecastery. The other thing that we haven't mentioned is that they're all they they're very sort of ornately designed yes. and created. Uh the pickups I think are probably the most recognizable parts to me because i'm pretty sure he makes the pickups himself as it looks well, like it yeah where they have it's like it's almost kind of reminiscent of, an, of something like an old gold foil or something I was gonna where say, it has like a partial the covering yeah. or the, yeah, the DRM, like that sort of deal um but then also i would say and i don't know i mean it's not a direct influence and other people have done it but i would say there's a little bit of zemitis uh, which you know makes those like sort of metally, uh, like, yeah. Not metal and like heavy metal, metal like literal like, like aluminum plating like and borderline steampunkish, but not over the top. Yeah, the, as played by Keith Richards and a yeah. lot of players. So there's there are some elements of that as well, but just the design 
is so tasty. Yeah. And they're really fun to play. So um, I just want to shout them out because, yeah, we realize that they're literally down the street it's, from here. I mean, and 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 no diss to them. I, I don't I love when I come up like come on like a new brand of guitar or something yeah. like that. I'm like, wow, these are beautiful. And like you said, then we found out they're in Chicago. Then we found out that they're, they're in Ukrainian village. We so. could walk there in, in a minute. So, <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll shop them out. Maybe, yeah. maybe go check out the shop. I don't know if there is a shop. I have no how do I, I feel like if there was a shop, I would have like walked by five billion times. Right? How did I not see it? So um i don't know they're beefy they're sort of bluesy but i would not say blues daddy they're yep. just they're man they're cool guitars and check them out gotta go check them out maybe get them on the show or something i'm glad like you brought that, that up i yeah. forgot about them yeah, yeah. so I, I feel like that's a nice little thing we can do maybe uh if we just want to highlight some chicago folks once in a while uh here we go a bunch of stuff has come out this week or recently that i wanted to talk about where to begin where to begin let's start with these so recently very recently this week recently uh Roland announced some stuff and I'm always excited when that happens because Roland makes cool synthesizers. And so what is it? Well, this week they've, they've announced three new pieces of kit, the T eight, the J six and the E four. The T eight is a beat machine. Basically take, they took their sounds that are in there, like tier eight away, all their TS eight away, all their tier eight, away, all their famous drum machines, from the past as well as the 303 which is the bass machine and put it in an even smaller package nice that is also battery powered so oh, you can yeah. you can it has a lithium-ion battery built in all of these do and so not only are they small and nice form factors you know digital because they're small they're not like analog synths or anything right. like that but they sound really great and they're battery powered and they all talk to each other or your phone oh, or really? your computer because they all also have usb and, oh, and midi cool. capability I'm excited about these. Yeah. Two. Like I said, T8 beat machine. It's drum machine and sequencer. It's got the 808. It's got the 303 in there. This is like the rhythm section, right? right. They've also then got the J6, which is a Juno, which is, God, it's my a Juno, favorite synth. Yeah. A Juno style synth with a chord sequencer. So, oh, wow. you know, these are small little things. Of course, you can control it with MIDI or USB if you want, or you can just program it in and then it'll cycle through the chords as your drum machines are playing, right. as well as the final. Uh, one that they announced, the third of the three, the E4, which is a vocal transformer. Ooh. It has, uh, so all these, because they're small, they have eighth inch size okay. inputs. Right. Uh, so you'll have Similar to the adapters. one we talked about last week from uh, Neighbors, what were they called? Teenage Engineering. Teenage Engineering. Boom. Good call. S yes, similar to that. Uh, but this one, so not only it has auto pitch, it has harmony, it has a vocoder, it has like a kind of scatter thing. But this one has a full quarter inch mic input rather than like an XLR size, but it's also not eighth inch. So it's a little more convenient. Yeah, right. And built in reverb. But the thing that makes me just know that I'm going to buy one of these eventually is that it also includes a 24 second looper. Oh, well, so shit, you can man. loop your vocals and have that going with all this stuff. And Be a uh, one man band. Dude. Here's, here's the last bit. How much do you think these bad boys cost? I love when you ask me these questions. A piece? Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. buy them separately, right? All, all three are separate, available separately. I'm sure they'll have some sort of package eventually because they should. $4.99. That's a heck of a guess, Dave. $1.99. Whoa. Yeah. They're oh, I love cheap. That. Dude, nice. You get the whole kit and caboodle for six hundies plus Shit, man. tax and shipping. Way to go, Roland. And, and some cables, and you've got drum machine, yeah. bass, 
vocoder and a core generative little thing. I would put them, if you're familiar with the Korg Volca series mm-hmm. in terms of form factor, I'll put them in that same sort of category, but they look to be a little bit more. My problem with the Volcas is they've always kind of felt a little toy-like to me. Yeah. They're sort of plastic and really fiddly, tiny Thin, little baby yeah. nods, knobs. This, of course, are, the knobs are still going to be small. You're, you're talking about a small form factor, but it, these, and I haven't got my hands on them, but from the pictures and videos I watched, seem like they're a little bit Maybe a little more robust, a little more designed to not have the little tiny pot, pots get cracked off and stuff. So, okay. um, but the fact that they're battery powered too means you can go and just like be anywhere in the park and with some headphones on and be creating out in the world with like a pretty full fledged, awesome, uh, deep. Because again, like they're they're three separate units. They have separate controls and functionality. They all talk to each other, but again, they all have USB, mm-hmm. so they can all go to MIDI. They can all go to your computer, that your phone, be fully integrated in the rest of your rig too. Right. So it's you know ready to record out of the box, and I am excited about them. Gonna get the vocoder one for sure. Nice, dude. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, I want the vocoder one first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's, it's a looper. That's so, I mean, because you've got the the auto pitch and the harmony and all that fun stuff, but the looper to go on top of it yeah. makes it sound a lot of fun. Way to go rolling, man. I feel like Way they to go rolling. I feel like they haven't released like a cool new thing in a while, maybe, but I could be wrong. You're right. I as far as I'm concerned. Anything. Yeah. Nothing this cool. Nothing that, get on them. T8 Beat Machine, J6 Juno Style Synth, and E4 Vocal Transformer. Ooh, is new- it pre-order right now? Uh, Did you, I ask you that? They're, I, they're pre-order right now. I saw them on Sweetwater. That's where I found the price. And I should mention the whole, the whole thing is called the Ira Compact Series. I don't believe I okay. mentioned that. No. A-I-R-A. Cool. That's like another one of their sort of patented technologies they've already had for a while. But okay. now it's the Compact. So Very I'm excited cool. about it. Yeah. If you can't tell. What else do we got? Seymour Duncan's got some new pickups that they announced. Really? <clears throat> some new Humbies. So they've got three custom shop style pickups that are are now available to order as um, they were actually I should say formerly custom shop items that were so popular that and there was so much demand that they've now brought them into the standard wow. line. Oh shit. So again, like I said, three three sets of pickups. The first one um, is called the 78. So by 1978, Seymour had already made a name for himself. He was like the pickup guy, right? right. And I don't um, think there was really anybody else in the game. Uh, yeah, as far as I, he was the top. He yeah. was the first call. And it, apparently, in that same year, he was famously tasked. I didn't know about this with rewinding a PAF. So you know the the era of Gibson pickup that everyone wants. Yeah. In order to enhance its sensitivity and tonal response, it had uh, an, an uh, Elnico two magnet. Um, and so because of that, uh, and so when he rewound it, apparently, I guess, uh, the deal is that, uh, like Eddie Van Halen really fell in love with the sound. Like, like, so that was what he went to, right? like this Duncan style thing. So this, this pickup, the 78 is basically those trying to get like the hot rotted PAF sound of Eddie Van Halen. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit hotter, but like, it still has the articulation. It's not like, it's not going to fully crunch everything out. So it's like a modded basically burst humbucker okay uh so that's the 78 now the green magic i want to i want you to take a guess what do you think a humbucking pickup called green magic is all about (laughs) uh weed man that's a good first guess but i'm gonna give you a second (laughs) guess because of someone oh dime bag daryl slime bag even better but i'm still let's take it further back oh shit let's take it back oh the, the peter green there it is there it is there it is so the Green Magic takes inspiration from the legendary burst dubbed Greenie, uh, which was Peter Green's Les Paul that 
then went to Gary Moore, and now Kirk Hammett plays it on stage, and I got to be real close to it one yeah, time. Uh, Peter Green uh, rose to prominence in the late 60s, if you don't know, in John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, and then in my in creating my favorite song of all time, went in Fleetwood Mac, I should mention, pre-Stevie Nicks era. Yeah. But not only that, not only was he a great songwriter and singer and all this sort of stuff, but like, I mean, ripping guitar player. Right? Yeah, very underrated, I would say. I would say, unless, outside of our world, I yes. would say no one knows who Peter Green okay. is. But his he the dude just had the tone. Yeah, and so many people for for so many years have been chasing that. Well, apparently, this this pickup in particular, the Green Magic, is really going after that sort of. I don't want to say fully out of phase, but he kind of had that like honky mid range yep. out of phase kind of sound. This pickup, these pickups, I should mention, but for all of the that we're talking about, are available both in bridge and neck uh, versions. Didn't uh, both of these pickups are kind of designed to get the Peter Green thing? Didn't his whole thing? He had the the pickup was like switched around or something. His front pickup, the neck pickup, uh, was in backwards. Basically, yeah. yeah. Instead of the. Uh, exposed pull pieces being at the top they're right. at the bottom Which, i think he also i can't remember but he might have also uh taken the bridge the cover off of his bridge pickup but i don't quote me on that one that mm. might have just been jimmy page but that was a very popular thing to do at that right. time okay finally one more uh high voltage what do you think that one's all about i don't know high voltage rock and roll oh fucking acdc there yeah, it is maybe. so uh, chunky enough to kick out tight, powerful riffage, which is how they wrote it, and then <laughs> uh, with enough clout to make solos sustain and sing. Uh, it's an Alnico 2 based humbucker designed to kind of capture a lot of the that ACDC cool. particular tone. That's cool. Um, so they're all humbuckers. They're oh all humbies. And uh, as per, like I said, the 78 Green Magic as well, the high voltage is available as a dual set and then individually both bridge and neck as well as in a trembucker format so that it'll fit your standard Fender style yeah. thing. What would you uh, what would you price these bad boys at? Um, Each. Well, now that you said, and I'm... Let me ask you this. Hmm. Did they, because you said that the reason they got popular is because they were putting them in the custom shop guitars originally. They were, a, so Seymour Duncan has a custom shop and basically these pickups were developed in the custom shop and they proved to be popular and then now have been brought into right. their standard line. Right. So I, I was going to say on the pricier side, if that's the case, because it seems like they're carefully made. So what do you got? What's your, you're the marketing for manager. For one, would you get a one humbucker? Yeah, one set. Uh, you can do both, but let's just talk Let's about say one. for one, oh man, I bet they're not cheap. I bet it's like 200. 129. Damn. Not as bad as you, okay. yeah, not that's so not bad. Too bad. That's what I, that's what I would have hoped yeah. to, I mean, of course you want anything cheap if you can get it, but I felt like, yeah, 129, like you said, it's a, there's a bit of a premium because it came out of this custom shop world and yeah. it's this sort of new thing, but also they're not like, Two hundred, three hundred dollar piece pickups. I, I think. I mean, and I think I know the answer to this. But would you say Seymour Duncan's like your favorite pickup brand? Oh yeah, yeah. Because you have them in the Les Paul. The Antiquities are my yeah. my go to. Yeah, and I love the Antiquity stuff for bass they've mm-hmm. done. Like just very vintage sounding. Their Jazzmaster Antiquity pickup is oh, also fantastic. very good. Yeah, they've got a few, a couple of those actually. Yeah, definitely one of one of my. I mean, there's a reason they've been around so long. So that's right. That's great. I think Demarzio was the only one I was thinking of that was probably around the late seventies. You well. know, I gotta be honest. Yeah, Larry DiMarzio. I, I, my, fir- my first vintage Les Paul I bought had, and this is why, I had a DiMarzio Super Distortion. Right. Which you said is like the classic 70s replacement pickup. Was it right? that guitar? Or maybe it was the, the old 70s Strat that I had. I've had a couple guitars now yeah. with old, with vintage DiMarzio Super Distortions, yeah. and I fucking hate yeah. how that sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that said, I, 
I feel like just because I don't like that one pickup, I've gotten this weird thing where I think I don't like Demarzio pickups. But sure. actually, now that I, you know what, dude, now that I think about it, I have Demarzio pickups in my uh, the seven string. I have the John Petrucci signature Demarzio liquefier okay. and Crunch Lab yeah. uh, seven string humbuckers in that guitar, and those pickups fucking rip. So yeah. I was gonna say that I feel like I don't like Demarzio, but it's it's not true. I just really don't they're like the specific, Demarzio Super Distortion. They have a specific. I mean, even for bass, um, you know, like on the P bass, their their replacement, mm-hmm. it has more of a a crunchier tone. They're really high output. Yes, for those pickups are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As actually, in fact, as are the the ones that I mentioned, the metal pick, as they're supposed to be, they're freaking metal pickups. Yeah. and that's why people did it because they wanted to push their loud ass hundred watt Marshalls that they could only make clean. They wanted to push them right. as hard as, as, and so they wanted their pickups to get hotter. Well, now we've got all sorts of quiet amps and boost pedals and stuff. So you don't need, in my opinion, don't need high output pickups to make that happen. Yeah, and um, and usually it just kind of pushes stuff into a weird fizzy crunch that I don't like. Yep. Me too. I like I like clarity. So yeah, go check out those pickups if you're looking some pickups. Good shit, man. I got another question for you, Dave. What's up? Riddle me this. <laughs> what do the aforementioned Van Halen, Supertramp, Prince, Rush, and Queen? What do they have in common? Oh man, I have no clue. It's a real toughie. That's that's tricky. That's a brain buster. T- let me tell you. Let me unbust that brain. Maybe if I mention some song titles, it might come to you. Okay. Jump. Fool's Overture. 1999. Tom Sawyer. Flash. I'm guessing this is they were recorded by somebody that's famous. A, that's a good guess, but that is not okay. It. All five of those hits and countless others yeah. featured this very specific sound stylings of an Oberheim synthesizer. Ah. That jump riff, Tom Sawyer, Classic. Flash, like I mean all those songs huge super 1999 right. like that. They wouldn't Tom, be the same without it's, it. It's th- those were Oberheim synthesizers. I think they might might have all been the OB8 at that time, but don't quote me on that specific part. But that the reason I'm bringing it up is because Tom Oberheim is 85 years old and and quite recently decided to get back in the synthesizer game. Really? Resuscitated the Oberheim brand and has released the OB8X synthesizer. Like, not no that fucking long ago. way. Yeah. So, uh, story is is that um, early on he he was kind of one of those guys like your Leo Fenders and such who were engineers but not musicians. Sure. He worked in uh, aerospace and. Um, Early on, just when he was a young man in that engineering world, had some friends land. uh, I think they were college friends land a recording budget or contract, and they were like trying to experiment in the studio. And they went to him and they asked him to design an innovative tonal processor to give sounds a quote spacey ring. And it was at that point that Tom Oberheim went and invented a ring modulator. So didn't realize that he invented the ring modulator, but he did, and that was his entryway into being like, oh, maybe there's something to this creating stuff for the music world well um we all know what happened i think mostly know what happened he just he designed some synthesizers that went on to be featured on massive hits of the 70s and 80s and had a lot of success in the synthesizer world well as things often do in this these lives we lead things changed and in the 80s they kind of went away from that sound of the like fat analog synth they kind of went to that like well i would say maybe more sterile digital synthesizer the which I like that too, 80s the sound Yamaha DX7. Yeah. But they kind of went away from the Oberheim thing, and it, and and he actually got some bad business advice when they were losing money. And what happened was, is he um, 
he lost the rights to the company. So they he was given advice by his uh, law his uh, legal counsel to file bankruptcy in a certain way because he was really worried about his like losing his sure. like, his family's home and all that sort of stuff. And so went through all that. He really thought they were, this was going to happen. One uh, was one Monday morning, he went to the office to discover that Oberheim Electronics had been placed into liquidation. Jesus. His legal advisors were now the owners of the company. Oh, so they, yeah. Hmm. Lawsuit <laughs> ensued, and he ended up losing the entire company. You know company. what's crazy, man? When you think back to, like, old contracts, um, like a little bit of a side tangent, I was watching this show about, like, the, the history of food, okay. and they talked about the Wendy's versus KFC thing. Okay. But the, the whole story was, like, they basically phased Dave Thomas out because they were like, dude, you never, like, did the, you never, like, fulfilled like a good contract okay like you did i don't know anything about it it's just it's it's kind of like that situation they were like oh we had a handshake and like you know a couple drinks and maybe you signed something mm. but you don't really know what you're looking at you know like people were just like i don't know i just Take trust advantage trust yeah. people so that sounds like he got totally fucked well i guess you know obviously that happened and then he was fucked one and did other stuff whatever well uh musicians in the meantime have been encouraging him to like be like hey we like trent, trent Reznor and yeah J.J. Uh, Abrams for some reason wow. is, is a huge Oberheim guy, um, but they encouraged him, and then so uh, wound up getting the rights back, and and now has sort of resuscitated the brand, and as which is an unusual thing for an eighty-five-year-old yeah. person to do. Yeah, really. Um, and now they're going back into full-scale production for the first time in three decades in May, which is now they have released the OB8X, which is a five thousand dollar. Really faithful version, like in, in many ways, very faithful recreation of the original OB8, which is a, I mean, now Legendary. those original units are they've got to be crazy, forty grand or whatever, right. you know, extremely expensive because there weren't that many of them. Yep, but they're played by just amazing musicians and they're quintessential sounds. So it's basically you can get all the original OB8 stuff, yeah, that you want, but it's now the OB8X, so that means. Um, updated for modern stuff so you've got presets you've got different filter types which right. didn't have before it's got velocity sensitivity and aftertouch on the keys which is oh. a very modern feature that's cool uh, unison and then of course a full midi and usb integration of course yeah so now it can just you know get sent data to and from your computer and that's all that sort of it's stuff. still i'm wrapping my head around him uh at 85, 85. start the company. That's Dude, I'm an Oberheim owner. You know, I've got one. I've got an Oberheim Matrix 1000 sitting right oh, yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I love right. the sound. I, there's that. There's a reason that's one of two of my like analog synths that I kept because I just love that thing. And now I'm I'm so excited that yeah. he's uh, yeah 85. Like that's a crazy idea, but I mean, I bet people are gonna buy it, especially because like I said, Trent Reznor. He's got like big time modern synth people pushing him and, and and doing free advertising and and piping up the brand so i i th i hope that it, he has a successful a successful second run yeah me with too his venture yeah that's fucking awesome man yeah i love that yes okay couple more things one more piece of gear to talk about yeah i told you this is gonna be a beefer yeah dude this one listen i don't want to i don't want to sway your opinion necessarily but this this might be a little ridiculous, Dave. Okay, okay. Hit me. So I learned about what must be the world's most expensive wall hanger. Oh. And when I say wall hanger, I don't mean Hank's hanger, but I mean something from which one might hang a Hank's hanger on their wall. When you, you oh. know, like a string swing wall style hangers, yeah. wall hanger. Yeah. Okay. There's a company called Minim Studio in Australia makes let me preface this by saying truly beautiful work. You know, their website is gorgeous. Everything they, they make essentially expensive wall hangers and guitar stands, right? Yes. I've seen the stands. So they, I mean, 
they're beautiful, but also very insanely. Pricey. We'll get to that. <laughs> so they this particular thing that we're talking about the is called the uh, podium stand, I believe. Uh, it is sand cast. So it's not just like some stamped out piece of metal. It's like right. it's actually, you know, they take the time to Jeez. sand cast it from hand poured brass with black Italian leather. <laughs> uh, and that is honestly more at like sort of the budget end of what they offer. Really? Right? But I wanted to talk about this because it's new, but it's oh, it's called the sand cast. The sand cast hanger is what it's called. I'm sorry. And um, I've owned wall hangers before and I never in. They were, were they ugly? Sure. Yeah, I had a Hercules hanger, I think. Oh, even uglier. Brand. Yeah, real Pro- ugly. Sorry to Hercules, but they're just they're just not attractive. They're yeah. fine for in like a utilitarian they sense. They remind me like, very utilitarian. Yeah. These are designed to be something that you know you'd have in your fancy home. That sure. Is, so I get that they're it's probably more beautiful, for it, but it's just like. Is it just a piece of wood with like the thing coming? It's out? A, it's a, it's no, it's brass or brass. It's, ca- I mean, yeah. it's cast, but it's, it's got but leather. It's just but that's pieces. all it is. Yeah. It's just it's you screw it into the wall and it and it holds your guitar. And 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 like most of these, I should add, uh, it, you can't throw you can't put a Telecaster in there, you know, because the Telecaster headstock is too skinny. It has to be like a Gibson or something. Gibson like. or a lot or, or a Strat, right? Um, Weird. So just yeah, just gotta avoid the gotta avoid the skinny headstocks. The thing is, is that I don't think I wrote the price down. But I'm in my brain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I recall it being two hundred dollars. Come on. Yeah, I know that their other stands start at three hundred and go up to like two thousand for the um, just like a regular weird sort of like guitar floor stands. Stand? Yeah. Floor stands. Not I shouldn't say weird. They're interesting, but extraordinarily expensive. Yeah. But I'm I, I'm uh, maybe one fifty. But I think it was two hundred. Wow. For one wall hanger, which is more than you might one might pay on an actual Hanks hanger. Yes, the you guitar can get a itself. Hanks hanger for cheaper than the hanger. Oh, we've seen many, many Hanks hangers. All of them. Any Bolty Lester in that you know 150 range. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. So, because I'm trying to think of like, all right, so like I remember I bought the Hercules stands. Granted, this was like you know 15 years ago. I had those. I never even used them. Actually, I gave them away. But they were like 15 bucks a piece. Yeah. Right. Um. And those were like at the time; those were the best ones you could buy. I yeah, think. I had the string swing, which were a little bit cheaper. Okay, and I had them in the living room of one of my first like my own apartments. Yeah, and I just left them on the wall when I because yeah. I didn't want to undo it, and then they definitely didn't give me my deposit back after that. Uh, so yeah, my landlord didn't want me to put them in the wall, so yeah. I gave them, gave them to Charlie. But um, so okay, so why why is it just because the cost to make them is so expensive? Yeah, I mean, it? look, the the construction method, of course, I'm you know it requires. Ex- experience and skill and, but and materials and whatnot. It's for like the Johnny we're Depp still talking level about, guys. I to think like, that's what it's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Blues Dads too, but I don't, sure. I don't think a Blues Dad would care enough for their man cave to need that. I think it is. It's like it is this intersection between guitarist and luxury and like fashion icon, right? Sort right. Of. It's a piece of artwork. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So I mean, look, don't. I, I didn't want this to be a pooping on the company uh, session because I think that they, I do actually think that they're beautiful and make good designs. It's just, it made me, it made me, it made me cringe a little bit. I mean, you've got to think for every little thing with guitar, whether it's stands or picks or anything, there's always that crazy premium. And we found it. This is it. This yeah. Has, I hope that there, I genuinely <laughs> hope that there are no competitors <laughs> that are trying to compete on price and going up more luxurious than you this. You raise an interesting topic, though, if you want to talk about stands for sure. a second. I, and I know more about floor stands, so I could say, like, you know, I've got more than I can even have. I have a box full of them because mm-hmm. I have so many. 
but the uh, the standard like pro line ones are like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. And then if these guys have like, on stage, yeah, on stage, and you know they work, they're fine. They're they fine. even have the little like rubber seat. I belt. still don't really love that design no. in general. Here's what I don't like: I uh, I definitely don't like the foam because the foam can actually eat away. Oh, at that's the, bad news. Yeah. I've got on the back of my sixty two P. There's a spot where I left it on a stand too yeah. long. And it's just from years and years of putting it on on the same stand, so that's a problem. And then, um, so I'm what I'm what I'm getting at is like I wonder if there's a middle ground where we, we could design a stand where it's like maybe leather is you know a cheaper le- like a patent leather with Go with a little suede, nice. yeah, a little suede. Get rid of that foam. So you want to undercut these guys? Yeah, Let's fucking go, dog. I'd let let the market decide. <laughs> Free shipping. Find our Etsy store. No, we'll sell them for, we already got the reverb yeah, store. Man, we'll just we just go right there. We got a website, dude. I love it. Uh, but that's what we're gonna. This show is just gonna become us stealing all the gear ideas that we come <laughs> up with and then trying to undercut people on price. Dude, um, yeah. I mean, it's minimum. They're called minimum. We're going. We're gonna call it maxim. Yeah, already, I like we it. We already got. The we're name. in. I'll start on the. I'll start on the logo. No, actually, they're called Hanks hangers. I'm sorry, Dave. Oh like, yeah, it goes better with tone tubes. That's kind of a little more of our. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's our stuff. I'm sorry that it has to have my name in it, but we've already got the. We just set. it just sounds Hanks too hangers. good. I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, man. I mean, for everything there is, there's always like that top tier stuff. So and that's what it is. Good job. If you can afford those, then uh, yeah, good I, job. I'm sure you have a beautiful home. If 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 yeah, if you can afford those, I'm sure you're sad about the current price of Bitcoin. Let's <laughs> say that. Last thing that we want to talk about is a crazy story that I read about in Guitar Player Magazine, David. I don't know if you saw this, but this is this is the this is this st- we have to talk about this because this is basically what dreams are made of. It's what we it's what we are always thinking about and talking about on the show and it's and it's finding the diamond in the rough. Okay. So, uh, recently in the UK, this guy uh, called Mike Long of ATB Guitars, so he's a vintage guitar dealer, got a call from the daughter of uh, an elderly gentleman who uh, was interested in getting rid of his 21st birthday present. And so uh, they get to talking a little bit. And of, of the grandfather's 21st birthday. Grandfather, yes. Yeah. What, this is a guitar yes. that he was gifted on his 21st birthday. Gotcha. And I know I... I so I'm already doing the math. Really I'm poorly. like, all right, so what year is this thing going to be from? Well, so um, as the old joke goes, uh, Gibson made around 1,500 bursts but uh, about 2,000 have been accounted for. So th- yeah. is this a burst? Isn't it? Right. We don't know. Right, right. My friend Dave, it was a 1960 Gibson Les Paul standard. Oh. So you can imagine this guy, like, he, he's like, he, I'm sure, you know, he hears a lot of stuff from vintage guitar people. And then, and then, you know, probably in the back of his mind, maybe he was a little excited, but they sent some crummy pictures and the guitar was pretty fucked up. Yeah. So, um, I guess, did I they guess show, what happened, they show pictures of yeah. it in the article? Okay. So this, I guess what happened was, is that this daughter, she didn't know, she had no idea what it was. Sure. She just like did a Google Found ATB guitars, called this guy. Okay, she wanted to get. It, she wanted to find out what it was worth for and insurance they do purposes. Authentication and stuff. Dad was moving, yeah. so they they needed it for insurance. They wanted to make sure, like, oh, how, how much is we, this thing worth? Okay, so she wasn't trying to sell it, right? Right. So, quote she, uh, from this guy, Mike Long. She said her dad was moving house, and that he'd been entrusted, and that she'd been entrusted with the, this guitar. She wanted us to do a basic evaluation so she could adjust the insurance if necessary. She searched online for Gibson Les Paul and came up with a value around 5,000 pounds and was expecting to adjust her premium accordingly. Oh, man. A couple of weeks later, she popped in the shop with a five-latch Cali Girl case. And he goes, this looks interesting. Yeah. When I opened the case, it was the filthiest guitar I'd ever seen. It had been stored in a closet unplayed since the 70s. Wow. Was there damage to it? Yeah. So uh, 
finish was all original, no major brakes or repairs. Okay. It had had a Bigsby added. Uh, the PAFs had been taken out and put back in at some point. Okay. Uh, and the original pickguard, which, dude, this is, I think we have to blame Jimmy Page for this, but a lot of those guitars had a switch added to the pickguard. Yeah. In fact, including one that I've played before. Uh, so this one had that too. What did the switch do? <laughs> Probably Kill some sort of like a phase or boost or I don't okay. fucking know. Um, so he calls or she comes in and, and she said, and he's, and this is the quote now. He said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. <clears throat> the bad news, it's totally unplayable and in terrible condition. The good news is that once refurbished, it'll be worth one hundred seventy-five thousand pounds. <laughs> oh my god! Dude. Can you imagine? Yeah, dude. She really thought it was gonna be like a five thousand yeah, dollar. like, and that's the max. You know, it yeah. couldn't be more than that. Possibly. She said he go. He said the room went silent. You could hear a pin drop, and she like. She said he said she literally could, wouldn't believe him. Like they, he had to like convince her of, that she wasn't being pranked. Essentially, did the old uh, bursts have, or even uh, any Gibsons from that era, have serial numbers stamped mm-hmm. on the back? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they did definitely. And, yeah. and but the problem is that only that particular era of ledger material was lost. No That's one knows right. where That's, the fuck the specific was, details. I remember are. that story now. But okay. um, so of course, I mean, as you can imagine. Who's played this guitar already? Who is Burst Guy? Oh, Joe Jobo. Jobo. Yeah. So um, I guess at the time when they like when guitar player interviewed this guy for the interview, he was en route to Royal Albert Hall where B- Jobo was playing, so he could bring him the Les Paul to see if he wanted to buy. Wow. It. He was very keen to inspect it. They said he'd be the guy to have a look at it for sure. But okay, so that's the story. I mean, I feel like. Obviously, it's just let's reflect on this for a second. Sure. The, the fact is, is we live we we always hope for this sort of thing to happen. But in my jaded brain, I just I feel like everything's been found. Every attic has been cleaned out. Right. Every every garage has been burned to the ground. Like whatever it is, I feel like we've just like that that era. These diamonds in the rough these mythical guitars i just feel like they've all been discovered and and now we have a very recent example and this is recent this happened this, this just happened wow yeah. man that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah i mean um i've definitely heard the story from a guitar store owner that we know who got a call to come check out a yellow guitar that the old lady had <laughs> like way out in iowa or something like that so we drove out there and it was a, it was a 52 telecaster original <sighs> he bought it on the spot i won't say what he paid because i I have a feeling he probably ripped this person off yeah, a little bit. Sure. Uh, then as he's leaving, she goes, oh, hold on. Uh, there's like uh, this speaker thing. And it was an original like basement or whatever. A tweed basement. Tweed, yeah. Shit. It's just like another like here. Wow. So, but this is over 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. I feel like the deals, it's because we have access now to look these things up too. Mm-hmm. You know, Everyone I mean, has Google. Everyone has reverb. I will say though, with Les Pauls, they get... They get pretty wacky because I'm still learning shit. Oh, I'm still learning. I shit. wouldn't be able to date one, you know, yeah. like, and you know, aside from trying to look up the serial mm-hmm. somehow or something. So, uh, I could understand where you would stop short and be like, I don't really know what I have here, you know. Well, and not to mention there are just so many fakes, and people are so good at that sort of thing too. So yeah, it's, you just it's hard. It's hard, but you know, this guy obviously knew what was up and and was able to verify. It. And 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 I feel like it kind of comes full circle because while it's not quite a burst. The deal that I may be getting after this weekend is yeah. like it, it. It's the closest thing to me to feeling like I'm getting that level of deal because yeah. it is significantly under value of what everything else is. And not only that, there, it's just it's so rare. Yeah, that, that I just I, like you don't you never you never see it. Which is so odd to me too because 
why hasn't anyone bought it? You know, I me, I yeah. did. Well, I know, um, and it instantly got because it was. I think it was overpriced at first. Yeah, and, and to and it's coming from Tokyo, and that's most of the buyers on Reverb are in America, and yeah. it's, and it's you know, you don't know. I mean, with customs and everything, you, we've talked about it. It's you don't you things could get wacky. You never if you can't inspect the guitar in person, whatever. Yeah. I did confirm also that it includes a case, even though that wasn't. Oh, um, that wasn't. Yeah, I don't I think it's original, uh, but it, there was nothing about it, and, and so I asked, you know, and yeah. that was one of the things. without spoiling the surprise. Exactly. I mean, we already said instruments. So yeah, we it's an instrument. really stick with I mean, that. what else would it? You know, come on. It could have. You know what? I, 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 it could have been a microphone. It could have. Sure. I guess a microphone could have a case. Uh, it could have been a, a recording console. It could have been yeah. a tape machine. Sure. Uh, it could have been a fancy racing wheel for my <laughs> simulator rig that I want to get put together. Yeah, man, it is weird though. The deals, I mean, all the deals I've ever gotten on everything I've owned, which was I haven't gotten an amazing deal in a long time, uh, were all just based on shitty photographs, and that could have mm-hmm. been why people didn't sell. The them photographs as fast. were hard, kind of. I mean, they weren't shitty, but certainly not as good as they could have been like for the, this listing. You that know? Uh, that sixty one P that I had, the natural yeah. that was stripped, that was being sold as a seventy eight. And I just saw like there were certain details about it from the shitty photos that literally looked like a serial killer took them. Like it was crazy. They're all <laughs> grainy and shit. Um, those I could just kind of tell that there were some things about it that made it not yeah. a 78. And I was like, well, worst case scenario is if this thing comes and it's it, I already know it's not a 78. So I can get my money back if it turns out to be. a exactly. POS. And that's like we're saying too, even right now with reverb. With buyer protection, it may, it takes a yeah. lot of the gamble because you've got reverb and PayPal yeah. as layers in there. So like, yeah, there is some protection these days for if even if I am getting scammed. I haven't asked this. Have you have you ever exercised your buyer protection? Mm-mm. I don't know if we've talked. about I've returned that. stuff that like came broken, but I've never sure. had to like I've yeah. never had like a big scam or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, me either. Um, yeah, man. Well, the deals look. There's a lot of Keep people. hunting, folks. There's a lot of people in this world, There's you know? <laughs> a lot of houses, a lot of barns, a lot of, houses. A lot of basements, attics. It, it, look, like I said, I feel like I'd gotten to this jaded everything been found place. Now seeing this gives me a little kick in the pants. Yeah. Maybe it makes me want to like pop into a pawn shop every once in a while or just see, know, what, right? see what we can see. I know, man. And Keep that's, the hunt alive. That is the sad thing. I do miss going to pawn shops and finding like amazing deals. And there was the, even that the local guitar show got canceled. That was, and I'm guessing it had COVID reasons, but like that, yeah. even that sort of thing. Like I, I, I was excited to go to that, and now that got canceled. Well, they just bar. had the. Um, I'm sure your guitar buddies were down there, the Texas one. That's yeah, CME, and that's a the bunch biggest. Stuff from there. I think that's the biggest in the U.S. All I think year. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw uh, that well strung guitars that we follow, mm-hmm. and there's just like a pile of cases, just like or not a pile, but like you know they're going throughout the hallway. And it's just like, you just got back from the Texas guitar show. And I'm just like, do we've got to get down there one time? That seems like the guitar show to, to, like, to, oh, to check yeah. off the bucket list. Do they do that in Dallas or something? Or Austin? I think it's Dallas. That'd be cool. And I believe Austin. it's Amigo as well. It's like a re- related to the yeah. one that's up here. I don't know. Either way, the deals are out there, folks. They and, are. And if you, and if you, if you're feeling a little jaded, maybe that gives you a little bit of encouragement to go hunting. Yeah. And Agreed. I should say. This has been an excellent episode. Thanks yeah, for hanging with me, bud. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for listening to us. Yeah, man. I and enjoyed folks, it. If you made it this far, why don't you go make some music? Boom.